When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport with me, Sam Matterface, at the World Cup alongside Talk Sports football correspondent Alex Crook and the former Chelsea and West Ham left-back Scott Minto. The top World Cup stories this morning, beating Messi and co will be better than beating Brazil, says even Perisic. The other little maestro, Gareth conflicted, and it's coming home, it's coming home, the cat is coming home, perfect. All of that and more as we look ahead to today's semi-final class. Messi, 25 yards out, low shot from him, and Lionel Messi has done it! I'm liking what I'm seeing from Argentina as well, they, 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 are, playing, they are playing well. Can he find a way beyond Nivakovic? No, he can't! He hits the post! And it is Croatia who are the first team to book their place in the semi-final! Croatia have probably the best midfield in the tournament. That midfield three, I think that makes an enormous amount of difference. It's Martinez against Nopper. Right-footed, scores! Argentina are through to the semi-finals of the World Cup once again! Argentina take on Croatia for a place in the final of the World Cup. Croatia looking to get there for the second time in quick succession. Argentina looking to return to the showpiece event for the first time since 2014 when they lost to Germany in the final. A um, couple of bits of team news in terms of Argentina. Both fullbacks who started the game uh, last uh, time out, um, Montiel and Marcos Acuna, is actually, both of those have sort of come into the team after the start of the... Uh, oh, actually, Montiel, did he start the first one? Anyway, they, they've been rotated quite a lot, the fullbacks, during the course of the tournament, uh, but they're both suspended. So Molina and Tagliafico will start. As far as um, Croatia are concerned, Joseph Stanic didn't feature against Brazil, uh, but Borna Sosa has returned after illness and actually played well in that game. I think he'll keep his place at left back. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what we think the game has in store. We've had a lot of upsets. Scott Minto, are we going to get another or Argentina going to seamlessly cruise into the final? Well, glad you said that last bit, Sam, because I don't know what would be a surprise now between these two. Um, I didn't see Croatia getting past Brazil. I, I thought they were bang average, to be honest with you, against Japan. Um, and I thought they sort of almost got away with it, get, getting to penalties. And yet against Brazil, they were nothing short of superb. And that, you know, that man, Luka Modric, just ran the show at 37. So I actually think this, would be a, this is going to be a very low scoring game. I think Croatia, generally speaking, are not like an out and out attacking side. They're one, they're a team that just actually just controls the tempo, doesn't score many goals, doesn't concede many goals, and is quite happy for it to go to penalties. So if they can keep Lionel Messi quiet, 
who, who I think has been, for me, the player of the tournament so far. And I'm not just saying it because I want to say that. I'm saying that because when you come to a World Cup, you want to see the stars at their best. And he just produces moments, even if it doesn't go towards goals. You know, he just produces moments where you think, wow, how did he do that? But if they keep him quiet, I don't think Argentina have a lot else. Crook Scott's right, isn't he? He's no longer able to produce the full magic show, but he can come up with a few magic moments. Yeah, he can. If you if you look at the veterans in this tournament, there have been many. I think he probably has been the shining light. Luka Modric, I think, would have a big say in that as well, um, just in terms of his sheer engine uh, for Croatia. But uh, I think Messi, if if the other players could, can do his running for him and, and open up those pockets of space that he likes to operate in, I think he can do this Croatian side damage. I think actually Argentina have become a better unit as the tournament has gone on. Obviously, they lost to Saudi Arabia in the first game. If that match was played another 100 times, 99 times Argentina would win. You know, you had the, 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 the narrow offside calls in the first half, two absolute worldy strikes from Saudi Arabia that they would struggle to replicate in the second. So I think Argentina have been one of the better sides in this tournament. I've been impressed. I've mentioned him before with uh, Julian Alvarez, the, the Manchester City forward. I think Alexis McAllister of Brighton quietly has had a very good tournament. Di Maria, when he's been fit, is a problem. So I think they've got too much quality, Argentina, and too much know-how for Croatia because that was what Brazil didn't have uh, when they were 1-0 up and defending that lead an extra time. So I don't think it'll be a cruise, but I think Argentina will win and I think the uh, the Messi farewell tour will continue all the way to the final. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, if you look at the, the, the team's player for player, I mean, all over the pitch, there are huge amounts of experience in that Croatia team, Scott. And that midfield trio of Kovacic, Brozovic and Modric, um, mm. there might be an old boys network, but they've certainly got a little bit more in terms of experience and nous maybe than Enzo Fernandez, who's 21, Alexis McAllister, who's playing his football without Brighton, he's 23, first World Cup for him. And Rodrigo De Paul, who, OK, has been impressive during the qualification period and has done OK for, for Atletico Madrid, but there's something lacking there. You know, if you look at battle for battle, man for man, especially in the midfield where so many games are won, there's, a, there's, there's, there's craft, enthusiasm, legs all in there for Croatia. I think it tips the balance in Croatia's favour. Well, I agree with you. I mean, most of the time I do agree with Cookie, but I, I disagree with him here. Um, I, I think Argentina lost their discipline against the Netherlands. The last 20 minutes, I, I think they completely lost it. And um, we're just trying to kick people, kick the ball away. It is going to be interesting to see whether they play five at the back or whether they go to four. But in terms of the midfield, yeah, in terms of the nous, I think it's with Croatia. I think they have a, a better midfield. I think they know how to control the games better. Um, and and I just think Croatia are getting better and better. It was the best performance of the tournament so far against Brazil. And, you know, quickly... They have right, one Brazil. shot. Well, the, you know, I think they're a team that's quite happy to go to penalties. Uh, you know, I, 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 and the I reason for that, Scott, is, is is because they've had to change slightly from a team that had Mario Mandzukic up front four years ago to a team mm. that haven't got a striker really now. So they have to do things a slightly different way, an alternative way. Yeah. And, you know, look, they, they've got in Lovakovic, one of the, the goalkeepers at the tournament, although it's going to be a tough one to find out who's the best goalkeeper and, and vote for that. You know, Vardiol, who's making a, a bigger name for himself than ever. Lovren, who seems to just love playing for his countries. Defensively, you know, they're not that far behind Morocco in terms of, you know, how they can defend. But the midfield, as you say, don't always win games in midfield. But what you do do is you control games. And if you can control a game to the tempo that you want, 
then, you know, for example, the first half against Japan, they, they, they couldn't get near them. They, they couldn't handle the intensity. And it was all Japan. And really, Japan should have seen them off within that first half. Then the second half, they came into it. They controlled it at their pace. And they're able to come back into the game, certainly, you know, even though they scored just before half time. Brazil, it was all on Croatia's pace because of the midfield. And Brazil could never really get going. So I actually feel, yeah, in terms of who who's going to control the tempo of this match, I think Croatia I'd fancy. But that doesn't mean to say that Argentina are going to win because they do have Lionel Messi. Well, if Argentina can control the tempo of the match, they need to do it at a greater speed that can sort of put pressure on the ageing limbs of Modric and Brozovic during the course of the early part of the game and try and tire them out because it's something that Japan managed to do in that first 45 minutes because they played at such a high tempo. Modric actually couldn't last the 90 minutes during that game, Crook. Yeah, well, he managed it in, in, in the last game, but you're right, I think... Uh, it's if, about tempo, if, isn't it? Yeah, he didn't manage yeah. it against Brazil because they were in control of how the game was being played. Whereas against Japan, they were rushing for the first 45 minutes and it sapped their limbs. It was all a bit frenetic against Japan, you're right. And actually, I think Argentina do have the ability to make it frenetic. You know, they've got obviously um, uh, some young legs in that midfield area, as you've already mentioned. And also, you've got the, the, the turnaround between games. Can Luka Modric, at his age, go again? Uh, you know, and control the midfield as he did against Brazil. I'm not so sure uh, about that. I think, listen, I think what we know about Croatia is, is they will they will stay in the game. Um, but I'm interested to see if Argentina can get their noses in front, what they can conjure by way of response. Because let's not pretend that at one nil down in that game against Brazil, they were peppering um, the Brazilian goal. That, that wasn't the case. The goal came because Brazil lost their heads and committed too many bodies forward. So... I just think once they go behind, I know they came back against Japan, but again, this is a better team that they're going to be facing. I don't know if Croatia have the capability to get themselves back in the game and, and take it to extra time. Yet again, is it eight of the last nine Croatian World Cup knockout games have, have gone the distance? Argentina have never been eliminated at the semi-final stage of a World Cup. Lionel Scaloni was pretty upbeat yesterday in the press conference when he said it's an objective to win those uh, the World Cup. Now that we're dancing, we have to keep dancing. Um, obviously, there'll be a lot of uh, chat about the two little diminutive maestros, Messi and Luka Modric, both of them really with a last chance at World Cup glory. Someone's World Cup career is going to end tonight. And that's, you know, that's quite a sad thing to think about, really, Scott. It, it is. It is. I mean, you know, look, at some point within the next week or so, um, both their World Cups are going to end. So, yeah, they, they, you know, for Messi... He's always wanted that World Cup, but I think winning the Copa America and in Brazil has, has kind of taken the pressure off him a little bit, um, certainly in Argentina anyway. But you know, in terms of the, the global stage, he, he needs the World Cup, doesn't he? He's not going to be around when he's 39. He's not. I mean, he, <laughs> he'll just be walking for 89 minutes and then do two or a couple of things uh, for the game. But yeah, it's going to be sad. But you know what? It is what it is. You know, you, you can't change father time. And this is where they'll be having in their mind we're in the semi-final of the World Cup. This is it. Two more games left for my country. And, you know, we'll see what happens after that. So like, I don't think it will change them the way they play. I don't think we'll see them run anymore. I think that's their experience. They know how to manage a game. It will be interesting to see because now you're deep into the tournament game every three or four days. You know, these are at the ages where ideally you don't want that. Can they go again? I believe they can, but it will be interesting to see if they can. Whatever happens, I don't think this will be the last that we've seen of um, 
Luka Modric in a Croatian shirt. It probably will be at the World Cup, but obviously they've got the, the Nations League in June. I think he's committed to playing in that. They've got the European Championships in 18 months' time. Speaking to the Croatian media, they fully believe that Modric will make himself available for that as well. So it's not quite his last dance in terms of international football. Well, that's good to uh, know as well. Um, Croatia's Bruno Petkovic says, I think there are many people who can, not even not even professional footballers that can take a penalty kick. The difference is how mentally tough you are in those moments. They've already got their eyes on the game going to spot kicks. Um, and they've won all four of their Premier, of their World Cup penalty shootouts, including two at this tournament. Only Argentina have won more. They've won five over the course of their history, but they've had a lot more, to be fair. Um, and they've had a lot, a lot more a propensity to have more because they've been involved in so many more knockout matches. Um, as far as predictions are concerned then, where are we going with this one, Crook? I think Argentina will win, and I think they'll win in 90 minutes. I hope I'm wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up nil-nil after extra time goes to penalties and Croatia win. But I, I, I want Messi to win. Yeah. Well, Sam? Interesting to see what happens. Um, I think that Argentina will win somehow, some way. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Let's move on to England and talk about what Gareth Southgate said in his post-tournament huddle. Um, they do this with the papers when they leave the tournament. They always have a sort of formal press conference where they sort of chat about what's going to happen next, et cetera, et cetera. And Gareth Southgate says that he's conflicted about his future. He went on to say that there are lots of things in my head that are really conflicted at the moment. So what I want to make sure is it's the right thing uh, to do. If it's to stay, it's got to be the right thing for everybody. Um, and it's got to be the fact that I've got the energy to do that because there's 18 months to go before the start of the European Championships. Darren Bent on the drive time on Monday night said what he's done for England by uniting everybody the fans the players the media I think he's been perfect but I don't want to see this crop of players that are so talented across the board go to waste suggesting that maybe someone could take them to the next level there has been quite a lot of chat in the papers over the last day or so the tone sort of turned from being sort of quite positive about what happened on Saturday night to asking the question why are we so happy to lose why is it why is it always the case that we're 
we're accepting of failure. Why aren't we demanding more from our team and our players and our manager? And I think that tone will continue until we find out what happens with Gareth. What, what's your initial thoughts, Scott? My initial thoughts are Gareth needs to get away from football. He needs to take a month off. He needs to enjoy Christmas and the new year with his family. And then he needs to start thinking. Uh, because if he if he tries to make any kind of decision at the moment, it will be to walk away. The pressure's been so much. Um, I was on TalkSport in the studio on Monday evening. And I, I, I don't think it's that we're happy to be knocked out. I think that without going over old ground, and I don't want to be bitter and blame a referee, I think two de- massive decisions in the first half. When you've got two really incredibly balanced teams... And the winners of that match is going to is going to be the favourite to lift the trophy. There's going to be nothing between them. So it's small details. When you're one nil behind, and you shouldn't be, uh, because of a refereeing decision, you can wrestle back not just in terms of scoreline to one one, but actually you're the team dominating and certainly on top against the world champions. And then you actually end up going out on a missed penalty from your most reliable person. Why are we always looking for a scapegoat? I mean, I came out with the sort of stats about Germany before the 2014 World Cup. 2006, semi-final. 2008, Euro final. 2010, semi-final. 2012, Euro semi-final. All of that, and then they go on and win it. All you can ask to do is to keep going, keep going, keep building. To win a major tournament, it's not you win success and you don't win it's failure we are knocking at the door right now and again i I just feel it's not that we're happy of course we're not happy but in a game where you're against the world champions and it's on fine margins there are enough fine margins to say there and even didi Deschamps admitted they were lucky to go through that we were the better side on another day and we've already discussed this we will go in and beat france and i totally agree with you and i do and I have been a complete supporter of the way that England have gone about their business. They're building, they're building, they're building. You use these moments. But if the manager feels as if he has not got the energy to keep doing it over and over again, then he is right to think about maybe not doing it anymore, isn't he? I mean, he, he has to be honest with himself and with everybody else because if he, if he is fed up of the constant criticism that he gets, I think it's all right to point out how Germany did it. And they did do it in that manner, a bit like we've done it. But ultimately... We haven't got to the ultimate goal yet. We hope that we do. Maybe it'll be next time in 2024. Maybe it'll be in 2026. Um, but I don't think Joachim Love got the same level of domestic stick that Gareth Southgate has had to endure over the course of the last four years, three years. There you go. There, 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 there's my answer. So why are we complaining almost? And I'm not saying you are, Sam. You're asking the question. Why are we complaining that we're... We're happy to be knocked out. We're not happy to be knocked out. And how would Germany have felt in 2012 after all what happened? I don't think it's happy about being knocked out. I think it's uh, Tony Adams in The Sun today says, I'm so sick of us being good losers. England must change mentality. Jonathan Lewin, the Guardian on uh, Observer on Sunday, was suggesting that, you know, great teams are not necessarily those who end up being the better team during a football match. They're the one that come out and win. Think of how many times Real Madrid have been in the Champions League final and have been the second best team in those matches, but still come away with the trophy. Henry Winter yesterday in the uh, in, in in the Times suggesting that actually, you know, the biggest problem that we've got is that 
when it was all over, everyone went, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. We, we were up against France on another day. It could have happened. Whereas, you know, other countries find a way. Sometimes you have to find a way to win. Croatia, a nation of four million people, somehow are finding Damn. a way to win these Damn. games. Damn. That's the suggestion. I'm asking you about it because that is the tone of some of the coverage. Yeah, and I feel very passionately about this because I think people are not really understanding. It's very easy. Just It's not binary. It's not like you haven't, you lost, so you haven't found the way. Again, I don't want to come across as a bitter Englishman, but I'm telling you now, when you're playing against a team that where there's nothing between the two of you, if Saka gets fouled and it's not given and they go on to score, okay, you could argue 25 seconds have elapsed, but we never really got set. It technically was. Peter Walton even said it's the same phase of play. And then mm. Harry Kane gets a penalty as well. And there's no guarantees that he would have scored it, but he scored the first one in the second half. You, and then we can we wrestle the, the, the momentum and we are on top. We are finding a way at that particular time yeah. to, 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 to come back. And it's not that anybody's happy. It, 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 it's really not. And, and it's not even that we're good losers. If you, I bet if you spoke to all the players and Gareth off the record, they'll be absolutely livid. They'll tell you how they really felt about the ref and just how they're feeling generally. It's not that they're good losers, but you have to just go again. We are going to the well every time we're getting closer. And people, if they turn around and say, oh, well, it was a final last time and quarterfinals this time, that's going backwards. Well, they're not seeing that they're up against France, the world champion. So... I feel very passionate about this because I see my country now from not that far away and not that long ago being nowhere near these stages. And now we're, we're very, very close. But I do totally agree with you. Gareth, has got the, he's bought the right to make his own decision. And, and I'm not saying I'm 100% behind Gareth because I, I think Rashford should have come on first, not Sterling. Um, I think Mount justifies because he won the penalty within a minute. There are still certain things that perhaps... I wouldn't agree with them 100%. But who is better out there? So I hope that if there's not someone better, I can't think of anyone right now, that I hope he does end up be, be staying on as England manager because it is only 18 months away. Well, Sean Custis said to you yesterday on air during the uh, the show on Talk Sport that he believed that the FA would not go for a foreign manager if their worst fears were realised and Southgate did quit. Uh, in the uh, Telegraph today... Um, the back page says England will consider a foreign manager if Gareth Southgate uh, quits, which is good news for Maurizio Pochettino, who clearly wants the job. And Thomas Tuchel, who's also been considered or will be would be considered if we were in that situation. It was pointed out uh, from inside the FA to a couple of journalists who are out here in the last 24 hours that the uh, England women's manager who won the European Championships is Dutch. And that was just sort of left hanging in the air. So I wonder whether or not that's an indication that there's a possibility they may well go um, sort of um, to, for a foreign manager. Um, Crook, what's your understanding about the position of uh, Gareth Southgate? What's the chatter you've got amongst the England camp? Because you've been with them for a little while. Well, I think you've summed it up quite nicely. I think uh, Gareth has earned the right to make this huge call himself. I think the FA will give him all the time that he needs, but just reading between the lines, um, you know, from the things he was saying and speaking to those who know, know him well, I think there is a big chance that he quits. Um, I think he has been stung by the criticism that has come his way. I think he feels he couldn't have done much more really to, you know, to bring some joy back to England football fans. What I would say, and listen, you know, I've been a massive critic of, of Gareth Southgate. I can't be particularly critical this tournament. I agree with Scott Rashford, 
ahead of Sterling. Probably the one differential um, from that game, but ultimately they've lost to the world champions narrowly, lost to the favourites for the tournament. That's the way the draw goes. But if you look at the success that Gareth has had, a final at the European Championships, a semi-final in 2018, I'll keep coming back to the fact they haven't really played anybody. You can chuck Germany in there at the Euros, but listen, Germany are a mess. We've seen it in this World Cup. So the one time they've come up against top, top-class opposition, Italy lost in the final, um, France beaten in the quarterfinal. So I do think his success has to be slightly tainted by the luck of the draw. And also, England have been underachievers for a number of years now. But I don't think Gareth Southgate's achievements should be highlighted or boosted up by the fact that so many England managers have failed. The fact that Sven Euron Eriksson couldn't get the best out of the golden generation doesn't make Gareth Southgate a better manager. Um, and if you're asking me, is there a better man for the job going to the European Championship? I think there is. Uh, I think that man is Pochettino. And I think the FA, by planting that seed when it comes to Serena Wiegmann, I think are almost lining themselves up for that path because there isn't an English candidate who's going to take the job. Eddie Howe is not going to walk away from Newcastle at this moment in time. Graham Potter has his own struggles at Chelsea. With the greatest will in the world, I've seen Steve Holland's name mentioned. I don't think you can appoint Steve Holland as England manager. So where do you go if you're looking for an England or even a British manager? I know, Sam, you would chuck Steve Cooper into the mix. I, I'm not sure he's proven yet at the very highest level. So I think if Gareth Southgate does leave, I think it's almost inevitable that we end up with a, with a foreign coach. Yeah, and the reason I stuck Steve Cooper into the mix was basically because if the FA are determined to go British or English, then Steve Cooper has to come into consideration because he's probably one of the very few that are available. Same with Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers, I mean, the PR around Brendan Rodgers has started to, to ramp up quite a lot, Scott. Would he be a good England manager? He's in yeah, yeah. I think I think if you're going to go British, and Sean did say that on, on Monday night in, in the studio, that they were going to go British. So it's going to be interesting to see whether they do or not. And it certainly restricts the FA, doesn't it, by going British. I think Brendan would be the best. Crookie's right in terms of Eddie and um, and Graham as well. That they're not going to leave their clubs. Brendan would be the number one British guy. I do like Poch. I do like, and I wouldn't have a problem with a, an Argentinian in charge at all. But I, I, I do disagree, um, and again, very passionately with what Crookie's saying about what Sven did doesn't make Gareth's um, achievements better. I mean, doesn't make him a better manager as well. Doesn't make him a better manager for, for England. I believe it does because you know there's so many people who are so binary out there in terms of oh we failed we 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 didn't we, you know we 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 lost in the quarterfinals we, and and I agree in the Italy game I think he he didn't change it and he should have done but I think this tournament um, is is different. The the bottom line is let's be binary then if we want to be binary. Sven Joran Eriksson only got to the quarterfinals with arguably better individuals. So, you know, I think what Gareth has done and what people are not quite appreciating is what's all gone on behind the scenes. You've got Beckham, Scholes, uh, Ferdinand, Terry, Lampard, Gerrard, all world-class players, yet scared, petrified going out to play for England because they knew what could happen with the media and the fans. And what Gareth has done, he's laid the foundations for these players to not worry about that, to go out and play their game and play as a team and therefore get to the semi-final and the final and, and then the quarter-final where they were the better side against the current world champions. So I think that does make him a better manager. 
because Sven Jorn Eriksson and Fabio Capello, Roy Hodgson, and we can go back a lot further, couldn't do that. I also think he's such a great communicator in the way he's handled the media and the way he's handled very intense pressures. You've got to remember, this is a guy who took charge of, of the country when they'd just been kicked out of the European Championships by Iceland. Mood was at an all-time low. Sam Allardyce had been there for one game and got fired. I mean, they couldn't be further... Uh, away from being contenders for major honours at that point. And within two years, they were World Cup semi-finalists. So he does deserve credit for his achievement. I was talking to, uh, to uh, Seth Hutchinson last night. We are in the car going through Croatia, England from 2018. And we're going through the team, the England team. You know, that England team wasn't great. It wasn't like a top-level, A-class international side. It was a team of great professional players that they put together and somehow coaxed them towards the World Cup semi-final. And that should be applauded. I do think you should um, give him credit for what he's achieved. But I, my biggest point about Gareth Southgate on whether he continues or whether he doesn't isn't, is there a better man for the job? Because the answer to that is there isn't a better man for the job. There's not someone who can handle everything that he handles and still manage to coach that team and to keep developing the talent. But is there... Is there a will on his part to continue to do it? And if he isn't in the the mind space to be able to cope with everything the England manager's job throws at someone. And by the way, you might find out a little bit more about Pochettino. You might find out a little bit more about Brendan Rodgers and, and, and some of the other managers that have been linked if they become England manager, because it's a different beast to every other job they've done. You know, so don't, don't don't think for one minute that just stepping into an FA blazer, if because you've worked at Tottenham and PSG, or because you've worked at at uh, Leicester and Celtic. I mean, he's worked at Liverpool, which was good preparation for Brendan. But it's a very different beast being the England manager, and you have to remember that it's not just about tactics; it's about a lot more besides. Um, so, you know, if, if he wants to continue, he should be able to continue, but he's got to be at 100% brain capacity to be able to do it. Otherwise, he has to put his hands up and say, do you know what? It's probably best if somebody else does it. On a lighter note, um, football's not coming home, but Dave the Cat is. After the England squad befriended the stray during the tournament, Manchester City duo John Stones and Carl Walker have been Dave's biggest fans. Um, Dave had to have medical treatment. Did you know this? Dave had to have medical treatment. Cat, yeah, he got attacked by another cat. And um, Dave had to have a, his left front leg uh, operated on by a local vet, which I think the uh, the FA or John and Carl paid for. Um, and now he's going, he's had a, a local vet check and now he's going back uh, with the squad. He's got to spend four months in quarantine before heading to his new home, but he's going to live between houses or at one of John or Carl's house. So he is... He's now officially going to be an England cat. Brilliant. Let's hope he's going to be uh, be a lucky mascot moving forward. Now that's that's a great heartwarming story, isn't it, in fairness? And as you say, a, a bit more light-hearted you, you than say the, that. The, the I'm not necessarily debate. sure that you actually did, mean it. You're just saying it. Aren't you? you don't really mean it. You're thinking what a load of nonsense. Did anyone actually ask Dave if, they, if he wants to leave the heat of <laughs> Qatar to the absolute freezing cold of the UK? Actually, the fact is John Stones and Carl Walker means he's going to live in Manchester as well, so he's going to have to deal with a completely different climate <laughs> to what he's used to. Poor, poor old Dave is going to freeze his fur off. Um, right, OK, listen, thank you very much, Scott. Thank you, Alex, as well. Back tomorrow with Darren Lewis when we look ahead uh, to the second semi-final. Morocco uh, taking on France, and we'll also review what happened with Messi versus Modric. 
The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.